I like the, uh, the story about, this is a, a true thing, B.L. Stryker, there was a, a TV show back in, way back in 1989 called B.L. Stryker, and there was a, uh, the producers wanted to do this, this mighty climax to a, to a chase scene, and so they asked this guy if they could, uh, that, was, uh, that was in the house, if they could uh, use the, the house for the final scene, and, and sure enough, I mean, they went tearing through the yard, and they took out some bushes, took out a fence, took out the, you know, just, uh, just a, a bunch of things, ripped up a, a garden, everything, and just laid waste to the to the front of that house. And they were going to, uh, you know, give back some money to help repair it and everything. But there was just one one problem: the guy that they asked, who was living in the house, didn't own the house. He was happening to to be there as the family was on vacation. He was he was looking after the house there. And and you know, there's really something that that sometimes we do the same thing. Sometimes we act like we own the house when we don't. You know, one of the last things that, uh, parables that Jesus ever told was, was really about the fact that we don't own the house. And, and it shows how unbelievably important stewardship is to, to, to Jesus Christ. Um, because, and here's the thing, that, here's my motive for doing this message, is because if, uh, if I knew as your pastor, if you were coming to a fork in the road and you didn't know which way to go and one way led to a cliff and the other led to an incredible life of, of blessing, uh, I think it's my responsibility if I know which one leads to which to tell you uh, that, you know, to, to warn you of that fact or encourage you of that fact. And for some of you, this is the first time you've ever heard anything like this and it's going to be life-changing. For the others of you, like myself, we need to be reminded of this on a regular basis because the world can lull us into realize, thinking that we really own the house when we, when we don't. So if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 25. Again, this is one of the last th- stories that Jesus ever told on this earth. And he said this, and he's talking about the whole chapter of the, is, is about the kingdom of heaven. And he says this, again, it, the kingdom of heaven, is like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted, don't miss this, his property to them. Whose property was it? It wasn't the servants, it was his. Uh, to, to one, he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one, uh, t- uh, one talent, each according to his ability, don't miss that either. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to, uh, to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received one talent dug a hole in the ground and, first of all, don't miss this, hid, secondly, his master's money. Again, what did he do with it? He hid it. Second, whose who's was it? It was his master's, not his. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you've entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Whoa, that is an amazing attaboy, isn't it? I mean, can you imagine the master coming to you and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Way to go. Fist bumps, chest pump, everything. There... The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two, uh, with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share your ha- master's happiness. He got the, the same kudos. And, and, and what were the two words that, that he were described? Good and faithful. Don't miss that. Good and, and faithful. 
His, uh, then the man who had received one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. Don't miss that word. We're going to talk about that later. And he went out and hid your talent. And I went out and hid your talent, even though he recognized it belonged to him, but he did act as if it belonged to, 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 I mean, to the master, but acted like it responded to him. In the ground, here it is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Uh-oh, that's a little different than the, than the last reaction from the, from the master. Uh, he doesn't get an attaboy. He gets a horrible rebuke instead. And think of those two words. You either hear, well done, good and faithful, or wicked, lazy. This is pretty powerful stuff. Um, so you knew that I harvested where I had not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my, uh, money on, my, on deposit, my money on deposit with the bankers. Uh, so that I, when I return, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give to the one who has ten talents. For whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he or she has, will be taken away from them. I didn't want to read this last verse because it's pretty harsh, but it's what Jesus said. It's part of the story, so we need to hear it. And throw out that wicked, worthless servant outside into the darkness where there, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Three th- and you know what? We're going deeper today. This is kind of, this is kind of you know, I mean, Jesus' message here is kind of an in-your-face message, but it's one we need to hear. And when we understand it, there's going to be blessing on the other side. Uh, and he says three things we need to understand. First is God owns everything. Look at this in, Prover- in Psalms 50. It says, Every animal in the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and everything's in it. That pretty much covers everything, doesn't it? I mean, think of it. First, he's saying, every animal is mine. Your dog is not your dog. Your cat is not your cat. It's his cat. Your gerbil is not your gerbil. It's his. The squirrel out in your backyard is his squirrel. The elephant in Africa is his elephant. The, the kangaroo in Australia is his kangaroo. The penguin in Antarctica is his penguin. Everything, all the animals belong to him. And then he goes on and says, oh, by the way, the entire world is mine. And that leads us to the question, if God owns everything, we own what? We own no thing, nothing. And think think of that. The house we live in, the wood is from God's forest. The the cotton that's on your body is from God's field. The metal of which you drive is from God's earth. The diamond on your ring is from God's earth. The pearl, if you ever wear pearls, it's from God's oysters. Even the money in your bank is not your own. And you'd say, wait a second, time out. I work hard for that. I work for that. I gave my time, my effort for that. Yeah, but who gave you the opportunity? Who gave you the life to be able to do that? Who gave you the health to be able to do that? Who gave you the job to be able to do that? And something we need to understand is even our next breath is on loan from God. Our next heartbeat is on loan from God. There is nothing that we have. And see, David even understood this. He said this, probably one of the richest people that ever lived. And they had just given this incredible offering for the temple. And he says this, wealth and honor come from you. Everything comes from you. And we have given to you only what comes from your hand. And then he goes on in Psalm 24. He says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Uh Uh-oh, he just got personal, didn't he? First he's saying, okay, every creature belongs to him. Then he's saying everything in the world belongs to him. And he says, now every person 
belongs to him. We don't even belong to ourselves. In fact, 1 Corinthians 6 says we don't even own our own body. It's on loan to us for 70, 80, 90, 100 years. We don't even own our own, our own body. So he gives us, but he owns everything. But he, in his incredible generosity, he lets us use it for a certain amount of, uh, of time. And here's the question. Why does he give it to us? Why does he give us this in, a, in abundance, all the things that we do have? It's to, to further his kingdom. And that means we don't, it doesn't mean that we can't enjoy it. I mean, God gave us all things, the Bible says, for us to richly enjoy. We are to enjoy that. I mean, God's given us beautiful sunsets for us to enjoy. God's given us beautiful flowers to enjoy. God's given us resources in in our account for us to enjoy, but never, ever, ever, ever forget whose they are. They're not ours, they're his, and and they're given primarily for us to further the kingdom with that. So the first thing is, is he owns everything. The second thing is we are just stewards. And what is a steward? A steward is a manager that does, that takes care of things for somebody, for somebody else. And, um, and so, and, and far too often, I think we act at, with like a, a, a teenager mentality. Now, I love teenagers. I truly, truly do. I was one once. I raised three of them. And I spent a great deal of my life ministering in, in and with teenagers. But one thing for all of us who have been teenagers, we know something. that We know that we, if we look back on our life at that time, there's a thing that we think the world revolves around us, right? There's a time where we think the world, where, where we think the house, you know, is for us that the car is for us, that everything in the house, that our parents really exist for, 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 for us. And sometimes if you've ever had that, if, and I say that you because my kids were perfect because they're, per, they're preacher's kids, because <laughs> everybody knows. No, when we have done that, when our kids have acted like that, there's something that we've done. We've said these words. We've thought these things. You don't own this house, right? You do not own this house. I have looked and my, my name is on the deed. You may, I may let you live here for a while, but you do not own this house. You do, not own, you do not own that car that I let you drive. I mean, my deed is on that car. You know the food that you're eating? That came from me, right? The, the bills, I pay the bills. And here's the one that we've said, and I bet we've all said it, at least thought it, but I bet it's come out of your mouth. And as long as you live under my roof, you will listen to what? My rules, right? Well, you've lived there. You've been there, Right? But sometimes, do, do you think that maybe we act like teenagers with God? Do we act like our whole, the whole world revolves around us? That everything exists for our sake? That our resources are ours? That, 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 you know, that, the ha- that everything belongs to us? And maybe God, sometimes when he sees that attitude, wants to say, hold on, Sparky. <laughs> you know, uh, I have the deed to everything. Not just some things. Everything in the universe I've got my name on the deed, and I've let you use it. I'm letting you use it for a while out of my generosity, but never, ever forget whose it is. You know, we go all the way back. This is from the beginning. God gave, put Adam and Eve in this incredible garden and in this incredible paradise. And, and, uh, and so, but one thing he said is, you to manage it. You were to steward it. I own it. And he put this, this tree in the middle of there. And think of this. Think of how generous God is. He said, you have everything. You have one rule. Don't stay away from this tree. Because what he's wanting to say is, you know what? You don't own everything. I own everything. I'm letting you have that. But then all of a sudden, here comes Satan. And he gave this, this lie to him, which is really all the lie that, that Satan did can basically put down to this and saying, you know what? If you eat this, you're going to own it. 
You're going to own everything. I mean, the, think, it's not, it's your, it's your house. It's your life. It's your time. It's your everything. And if you just eat this, then you'll understand that. And maybe that lie has been propagated back to us through, throughout the, the, the generation that somehow we have grown to, to believe that as, uh, as well. And he talks about a talent here. Now, now, a talent's not what you and I are thinking about a, a, a talent. I think it definitely includes that. I think when he's talking this parable, he's talking about everything we have, our, our time, our, our talents, you know, our, our abilities, our, our spiritual gifts, everything are part of that. But in this context, he's talking about a unit of, of money. And let's talk about you know, some, some biblical units of money. The first is a denarii. And a denarii was, was uh, what you got for a day's wages. Okay, it was always the same thing, and you know, obviously that would fluctuate the, the amount that that was through the, through the years and through inflation and things like that, but it was always a day's coin for a day's pay. That's a denarii or denarius. And the other, and so, so then there was uh, 300 denarii was what a person would gain in a, a year. You'd gain about 300 denarii, 300 days work in a, in a year. That's what you would gain. Now, a talent is a lifetime of work. It's 10,000 uh, 10, denarii. And that's what you would raise, uh, the average person would have in an entire lifetime. It's 33 and a third years, which was basically what you would work with the lifespan in those, uh, in those days. And it's also the exact time that Jesus lived on this earth. But so what it's saying is a talent was a lifetime of, of what you had, a lifetime of, of, of what you earned, a lifetime of God's gift to you. So we need to put that in perspective there. So what is this? Why do you think Jesus put this? Is one of the last things that he ever said on this earth. Why do you think this was so important to him? Why did he want us to know this? What was important for us to understand? I think first thing is, is God has invested in every one of us. I want you to think about that. The God of the universe believes so much in you that he's invested in you. God had believed so much in you that he has invested a whole heap in you. He trusts you and he believes in you. The second thing is God's looking for a good return on his investment. You would too. In everything that you do, you want a good return on your investment. If you are in the stock market, if you are in mutual funds, you don't want to just throw your money in there and watch it flounder or watch it go down. You want to have a good return on your investment or you're going to put it in something else. And when you, when you work for a company, you want to have a good investment for the time and the effort that you put in and, the, and, and things. You want to have a financial return for the investment that you, uh, that you have. If you own a company and you pour into somebody and you, and you, and you, you hire them and then you, you train them and everything, you want a good return for the investment. Now imagine if you owned a company and you said you were going to be gone for a while and said, I want you to manage this company for a while. And the person spent all the time just goofing off. Or they spent the entire time, the profits, all the profits, spending it for, them, uh, for themselves. How would you feel about, about that person? God is looking for a good return on his investment just like we would. Another thing is we will be accountable in proportion to what we've been given. There are people in this room, there's, there's one talent people, there's three talent people, there's five talent people. And we mean that in, uh, in money. You know, there's people, there's some people that have more money in this room than others. There's some people who have more talents than, uh, than others in this room. That's okay. I am not going to be accountable for your talents or your, or your, or your resources. And you're not going to be responsible for mine. But I am going to be responsible for mine and you're going to be responsible for yours. Each one of us is going to be responsible someday for what God has given us on this, on this earth. And that's the thing, is someday every one of us will give an account for what we've uh, done with what we've been given. 
Look at verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with, uh, with them. And isn't that weird that when it says a long time? I never got that before. But isn't that weird that sometimes when it's been a long time, sometimes we maybe think, you know what, maybe he's not returning. Or maybe this is mine. And things, but make no mistake, the master is returning and we're going to give an account. And he's going to ask us, what did you do with the time I gave you on this earth? What did, I, what did you do with the resources that I gave you on this earth? What did you do with the opportunities? What did you do with the testimony that you have of what I've done in your, uh, in your life? What did you do with, uh, you know, we go on and on. Noah Webster, who was, uh, who was one of the foremost statesmen in the history of our, our nation, uh, was one time given a, a party in his honor. And there were statesmen from around, the dignitaries from around the country, around the world there. There were even a couple of presidents that showed up to this. And he was asked this question. He was asked this. What is the most profound thought that you have ever had in your, that come to your mind? And he started to talk and he became so emotional in what he was talking about that he, he broke into tears and he had to go into another room as he, as he composed himself. And, and then he came back and he said these He said these words, the most important thought I've ever had was that of my individual responsibility to God. And then for 30 minutes, he spoke about his responsibility that he felt for managing and stewarding all that God had had given him. And I truly believe that probably the most profound thought that's ever been in my life is someday I'm going to stand before God. I'm going to give an account of my life. I'm going to give an account of what I've done with what he's, uh, he's, he's, he's given me. And here's the thing, too, is no excuse will be ex- accepted. I mean, think of it. He, the person said, you know what? I, you know, I was afraid, so I buried your talent. And the, the person did not go, well, okay, as long as you were afraid, you know, that's fine. And I bet any, ta- any excuse that he would have given would not have flown then. I bet if he would have said something like, you know what? I've just been so busy lately. You know, I've just been so busy, and it's the kids and the work and everything like this. I've just never had time. And I bet you no matter what excuse he came up with, it would not have flown to the, to the master who gave him, uh, him everything. And here's the, the next thing is whether it, we're either a good or bad steward of what God's given me. I know that I'm a steward. I know that you're a steward. That's not, a, that's, that's not up for grabs. The only thing is will we, are we good stewards or are we bad stewards with what God has, uh, has given us? And, and, you know, we need to ask ourselves, right now, if God stood before, if we stood before God, would he say, well done, good and faithful servant, or he say, you know, something completely, completely different? What have we, he's, you know, and, and, and we need to look ourselves in the mirror and say, am I being faithful with the time and the opportunities that God has given me in this, in this world? Am I being faithful right now with the, with the you know, the, the talents and the abilities that God has given us? Am I being faithful right now with the resources that God has given? And let's talk about that one just a second because this is the context in which this is, which this is in. I remember several years ago, um, my family was invited to stay at a, uh, a condominium of, uh, of somebody in our, our church that was on an island, and it was absolutely, it was absolutely amazing. I mean, it was just, uh, just beautiful. But here's the thing that they, that they said. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. Have a ball. We ask one thing. Don't use the master bedroom. That's reserved for my bride and, and I. So let me ask you this. This is really, really, really important. How do you think we responded? Do you think, first of all, were they, were they telling us, if we, if we did that, were, were they saying that we could use, that, sorry, were they taking away 10% of what we owned, or were they letting us have 90% 
of what they owned. It's huge, isn't it? Because sometimes we can mix that up. What do you think we did? Do you think we did this? Do you think we said, you know, do you think we said, well, you know what? It really doesn't matter. We'll use, you know, we'll use the master bedroom, but we'll, we'll not use one of the other bedrooms. Do you think that would have done something? Or did we go, man, they're being so stinking selfish. Why can't we have the whole thing? Or do you think we were just incredibly grateful for the 90% that we were, that we were given? I mean, we were, you know, we were just ecstatic for the other. What would you do in our case? What would you do if you were in that situation? I bet you just about everybody in this room and hearing my voice right now would go, man, thank you. Just thank you for what you have. You've given me, you know, 90% of what you own and you're just asking for me not to do, you know, to to give this one portion to you that it's yours. It's yours. You can do anything. You could say, I want 90% of this room and we'd be ecstatic to have that other, just the the one bedroom to to share on that beautiful beautiful island. So here's the... Here's the thing, Do you, are, we, are we tracking? Are we tracking with each other here? God says this, make no mistake about this. God says that all of it belongs to him, but he's asking, to, he asks for 10% back. There is, a, there is a, a principle called tithing. If you do not know this, God asks for the first 10% to be given back to him. And I know this, it's not because of him. He owns everything. He doesn't need it. It's for some other reasons. It's for what it does to us. It's what we learn from that. And it's also something we'll see in one second. But he gives this word. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. Don't miss that word. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to to, to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. And he says this. Notice he says, bring it to him. Doesn't say, give it to him. Because you bring something that belongs to somebody else. You give something that belongs to, to you. And notice where he said to bring it. He said to the temple, which is today's local church. That's where he said to, to bring it. Now, Sylvia and I, we tithe. Uh, we, we also give to other organizations and things that we very much believe in. We give to missionaries in our church. We give to missions around the, the world. We support a compassion child. We give to, to, to things that we believe in. We do, uh, we do all that. When opportunities come up at the church, we try to give, uh, give generously to those. But we tithe to crossroads. Why do we do that? Because that's where God told us to do that. That's the bedroom that God said to do to put it to put it in. And and so that's why that's why we do it where God says to do. I think we're supposed to be incredibly generous to all the ministries and all these things and opportunities that we have to spread the gospel around the world and to spread the gospel and make a difference in people's lives in our in our community with the ministries we have that other people have here. But also, God tells us the bedroom that he wants us to put it into is in the local church. Now, we give, uh, we give direct de- deposit right now. We give direct deposit, and I do that for this reason. I do that because I, I do that for a lot of things. I do that for my utilities. I do that for, for so many things. Why? Because I don't want to miss those payments. And I want to make sure I give that way because God, I, I want to make sure God gets his thing first. But then also there's other people in this room and people watching online that you want to be here and you want to write the check because you want to say, God, this is yours and there's something really powerful to you and really symbolic for you to, to laying something in an, in an offering plate. And that is so cool. It doesn't matter. It's whatever heart it is. It's the heart of going, God, I just want to do what you say. I want to be obedient to, uh, to, to that. And notice why he says to, to give to the, the temple, to, to give to his, his church. He says, so that there will be food in my house. God who gave, as you look on the back wall, the, the Great Commission, 
He gives this thing. He's, he knows that as you do, we do the Great Commission, it costs resources. It, may, it takes resources to, to, to do ministries. It takes to resources to send out missionaries. It takes resources to feed the hungry and, and things that we, that we do through this, through this church. And God, knows, and God knows that. And this church, notice the church, Jesus calls the church his bride. That's powerful. Powerful, powerful. Now, I want you to, in the spirit of this story, I want you to think of something. I want you to imagine that you are uh, a, a person, a man in the, in the military, and you're going to be deployed for, for a few years. And you come up to three people and you say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give each of you $3,000 every month. I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make sure my bride is taken care of. I want you to give one-tenth of what you have to my bride because I love her and I care. And this is really, 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 really important to me that she's, that she's taken care of. Now, person number one, this person either never obeys you or maybe they start out obeying you, and, but then they all of a sudden just stop giving the money that was, put, that was set aside for... First of all, is that person being... If, are you being generous or are you being stingy with that person? You're saying you can do whatever you want to with the other 90%. It's 10%. I want to make sure... I want you to make sure that you do what you're supposed to, that my bride is taken care of with that 10%. So you're being incredibly generous to this person, but say they, say they don't do what you have, want them to do. What are you feeling about that person? And how about this? How about if they said, how about if they said, you know what, I'm, you know, I may not have given there to your bride, but I've been really generous with your money in other places. What do you think? You go, I don't care. That's great. That's wonderful. It's super that you're doing that. I want you to be generous. But you can't be generous until you're faithful first. You've got to be faithful first, and then you can be generous. I, this is what I told you to do. Then you can do whatever you want to with the, with the, the rest of it. How about with the person that came up and they said they, every month they made sure that your, that your bride had what, they, what you wanted them to do was taken care of. How'd you feel about that person? You go, man, what words? Maybe how about good and faithful to that? How about this? How about with a person that not only gave every month but also mowed, your, mowed the lawn for, your, for your, your bride, took care, made sure she was taken care of, made sure she had food, made sure everything was good. Man, that person, what do you know about that person? Not only are they good and faithful, they have your heart like crazy. They care about your bride like you care about your bride. And so in the same way, I don't think I have to say where that, you know, where that uh, com- comes, uh, comes in. But here's one more thing. One more thing, I want you to notice the blessing that he promises when we're good and faithful. If you do bring the tithe, says the Lord Almighty, I'll open up the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room for it. Try it. Put me to the test. The only time God says to put him in the test in the Bible. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for the land will be a delight, says the Lord God of heaven. I've said this before, but I mean this. The thing I am thanked more for, for what preaching on, is on tithing, believe it or not. Because people come up, and anybody that's in there, you know that the blessing that you have received, people come up, and they always say it with a smile, and they're saying, God has blessed us so much. God has opened up things for our life. God has affected our finances, and they use the word joy. They use the word faithful. They've taken their faith to another level. It's made a difference in their life. So why do some of us not do that? Why, if God says for us to do that, why? I hope it's not disobedience or or lack of respect for God. I hope it's not that we say, you know what, I'm going to call you Lord, but I'm not going to do what you say. In fact, Jesus said that in, uh, in the Bible. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? And I hope it's not ingratitude. I hope it's not because we're not thankful for everything that God has given us and everything that we own is from God. But think of it. We give to a waitress 15% minimum, okay, 15% minimum for somebody who has waited on us for, for 30 minutes. 
And are we now going to behold what God says for the 10% of what God says who has given us every single thing we ever have? So what is it? I think maybe, you know, maybe it's the same thing that the, that the lazy servant did. It's, he was afraid. And really, if we put it down to it, probably most of us, that's the reason we would not do that. It's because we're afraid, okay, if, if I do that, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to mine if, if I give, give there? But don't you think the, the God of the universe can take care of that? Don't you think he can do more with 90% than you can with 100%? You know, my devotion this morning, as I was, before I came here, was the loaves and the, I mean, the, loaves and the fish. And God, the, all the disciples said, if we gave everything we had, all of our, a, a year's salary, it wouldn't even touch uh, feeding, feeding all these people. And what, the little portion that was given to God was able to feed stuff with more left over. And I know somebody, something in my own life, God has met my needs and God has given me more than I need as I've been trying to be faithful to, uh, to, to him in, in that. So here, I want to just show you one thing. So let's go to the other. Here's two coins. Here's a, a coin that is uncirculated. I had from my childhood right there. It is so pretty. It is so nice. It doesn't have a... It's never been in circulation. It's never been used. It's ne- but here's the thing too. It is never... It has never affected any life. It has not bought candy for a kid. It has not bought popcorn. It has not made anybody smile. It's done nothing. It has been buried. It's been hidden. It's been uncirculated. Here's a, another quarter from roughly the same area. Era. And it looks like a chew toy for a rabbit gopher, Right? This thing is nicks. This has cuts. You can barely read the date on it and everything. But I wonder if this baby could talk, what it would say. I wonder how many lives it's affected. I wonder how much joy it's brought to people's lives. I wonder how, what, it's, what it's done in there. And our life is going to be represented right now by one of these two coins most. There's people in here who you've never used your gifts and talents and it's uncirculated. Man, you look bright and shiny and everything, but it's not used for what God gave you. And then there's other people, we've been beaten up, we've been everything, and man, you know what, but we've made a difference in people's lives. And we may not be much to look at, but God's used us in, in, in those ways. And so every single one of us, when we go before, you know, I, here's, the, here's the question that I, that I ask. You have spiritual gifts that you have been given. There's not such thing. If you're a Christian in here, you have spiritual gifts, okay? And, and, and so ask the question, here's the question. Are you right now, not at the time in your life, not at some time, are you right now using the spiritual gifts that God has given you for his glory, for his kingdom, for his, for his bride? If the, the talents and the abilities that God has given you, are you using those for his glory right now? The opportunities, the time that you have, is everything yours or is everything, do you act like you own the house or are you using the, the portion of your time and talents to give back to God what he's given to you? How about your resources? Are you using the, the, the tithe? Are you giving to him? Are you giving to, realizing that it's not just 10% that belongs to him, but 100% belongs to him? Because here's the thing. In my life, the greatest thing I want to hear someday in my life is well done, good and faithful servant. And as your pastor, I want you to hear that too. I want you to stand before God someday and he's going, well done, well done, well done. And here's something else. I want him to say, Come into your, your master's happiness, your master's joy. Receive that. And I want that same thing for your, for your life as well. You know, probably if I was to ask, probably just about every one of us has a retirement account of some way, something. And we have an IRA in, in here. But we also, something we have to realize is we have an ERA. And that's an, an eternal retirement account. 
And sometimes we keep pouring and pouring and pouring in one, in one and, and, but there's an account that, that there, this account we're going to use for 60, 70, 80 years and then we're going to pass it on to somebody else. This account will be there forever. Both of the accounts, once we die, there is nothing else we can do. Something else I know is every single one of us know that our 401k can turn into 201k like that, right? But there's something here. This thing will always, for the rest, not just for, for 56 years, but for eternity, will be a blessing. I'm not saying not to, not to, to save, not to do anything like that. The Bible tells us we're supposed to do that and pass on an inheritance to our kids. But I tell you, can we pass on a legacy to our kids that God comes first in our life? That we're going to do it the way God says, that we realize we are not the owners, that we are the stewards of everything that God has given us.